Hello, my name is Eric White. I'm a consultant with Herbersmith Freehills in Brussels, and I work on trade issues. And that these days, of course, includes Brexit and the future relationship between the EU and the United Kingdom. Today, we're going to take you through very briefly the changes that are to be expected at the end of the current transition period that's on the 31st of December. So the most important message we're going to try to get across to you today is that at the end of the transition period, uh, the 31st of December, there will be a more dramatic change in the regime for trading goods and services than we saw on the 31st of January, the real Brexit day. And this is going to be the case whether or not there is a, an agreement on the future relationship. Because precisely we are at the moment in a status quo transition, which means nothing changes. But on 31st of December, things will change. It may, of course, be mitigated by the future relationship. But as we will explain in a moment, the changes will still be significant. Not only will things change as regards trade with the EU, also as regards trade with other countries around the world. And the reason for this is that all of those EU agreements which regulate trade between the UK and many third countries will cease to apply to the UK and may be replaced by so-called rollover agreements in some cases concluded by the UK, but this doesn't. This is not going to cover all of the EU agreements. Now, today we're going to uh, discuss um, in order of complexity, if you like, the simple matter of what changes on customs duties, but then also um, other border formalities, what happens uh, beyond the border, and uh, what the situation is going to be on services, and what um, the changes in the governor's regime is going to be, and a few words on state aid. So first of all, customs duties. Now at the moment, the UK applies the EU common customs tariff, which means that it's the same tariff and throughout the whole of the EU, including the UK. But as from the 1st of January, the UK will start applying its own tariff, the so-called UK global tariff. The tariffs vary enormously. Um, agricultural goods have obviously much uh, have higher tariffs than some other goods. Um, the UK global tariff is based on the EU tariff, but does simplify it to some extent. Some small duties have been eliminated and uh, other duties have been rounded down and certain complexities have been removed. So the, the average apparently for the UK tariff is going to be something like 6%. Whereas the average in the EU currently is 7%. But as I said, these do vary a lot. The EU Common Customs Tariff is still going to apply in Northern Ireland. And um, there is provision for exports from the rest of the UK, that's Great Britain, to be exempted from these duties. Um, but this, um, this requires an assessment category by category as to whether there is a risk that the goods from the UK, from Great Britain, can move on into the rest of the European Union um, after having been exported to Northern Ireland. 
And uh, what, is at, what is at risk of moving on to the European Union? It has to be decided by the Joint Committee according to the, to the withdrawal agreement, and this therefore requires agreement of the EU as well as the UK. Now, it's not just customs duties that are going to change, um, and this is probably the bigger problem, because at the border there are lots of formalities to be accomplished, um, and many of those are going to be different or more severe from what exists at the moment, at least as regards trade with the EU. Because even if there is a free trade agreement with the EU and no quotas, no tariffs on trade between UK and the EU, that will only apply to goods which are of UK origin. So for everything, you're going to have to prove what the origin of the good is in order to be able to benefit from this duty-free trade. This is the so-called origin rules. To take an example for automobiles, um, the EU typically requires 55% of value added to be in the country which is claiming origin. And it appears that for the UK, the average uh, value added in the UK is 44%. So um, all of those producers of automobiles are going to have to make changes if they want to export their automobiles tariff-free to the EU. Um, there will, of course, be changes in the application of excise duties, VAT, um, compared to what the situation is now. Anti-dumping duties um, will also have to be payable. Um, then there are a whole series of other requirements that are applied at the border. Um, for example, for many things, you need a license to import. Um, you need a certificate as to you know, health status of the goods or some other um, kind of authorization. And this, this is most uh, mostly felt in the field of uh, agriculture, agricultural products and food, <coughs> but also there are some other dangerous um, products like chemicals for which um, uh, uh, permits are required at the border. Now, even more pernicious, if you like, are the behind the border consequences of uh, the end of the transition period. Because, um, a lot of internal rules are, are imposed, imposed on products for safety, health and other reasons. And um, of course, they are, these are not normally enforced at the border, but they're enforced internally and goods cannot be sold or marketed if um, they don't comply with the regulations. Now, within the EU, in the internal market, there's a vast body of com common rules as to what these requirements are. And that therefore required, that allows mutual recognition to take place. If something comes from another EU country, <clears throat> there is no need um, for, the, for different rules to apply. Even if the, the agreement, the kind of agreement that is being envisaged um, doesn't provide for much in the way of mutual recognition, precisely because um, the UK wants to um, maintain its regulatory autonomy. So you know, a lot of goods which at the moment um, can be imported from the EU and don't pose any problem for further sale and marketing in the UK um will find themselves in a different position and the same thing applies the other way around 
In the case of services, uh, there's not much in the way of border checks, of course, by the nature of services. And so the barriers to trade and services are also behind the border. Uh, there's a certain amount of liberalisation which has occurred um, under the WTO agreement and in certain free trade agreements, but not, not much, in fact. It's difficult to really uh, say um, in general terms what the situation will be because the, the restrictions that apply to goods are regulated uh, for each service individually, but also according to the way in which the service is delivered. So, for example, in some cases, it may be allowed to provide the service through an establishment, through a subsidiary in another territory, but not to provide it across the border or vice versa. And within the EU in particular, um, the harmonisation hasn't reached the same level as it has for goods. And member states often have their own slightly varied uh, regulatory powers. So as a consequence will be that um, some services can no longer be provided in the EU, whereas before they were, or that if they are, can be provided, a license will be required where previously it wasn't, or that qualifications and certificates for the service provider, for example, will no longer be recognised. This brings us on to something else, which is going to be have a greater impact, but gradually over time, and that is the change in governance. So the, in the EU has, has um, binding rules for trade within the internal market that are uniform, of course, and directly enforceable in the courts. And it also has the Commission and various other agencies to facilitate the application of these rules, administer them, and to ensure that they're enforced. For example, there's the European Chemicals Agency, there's the European Medicines Agency. And generally, the Commission acts a kind of um, guardian of the treaties and makes sure that um, the internal market works as possible, as, as uh, correctly, and can um, and, and and disagreements can be resolved uniformly for the whole. EU at the European Court of Justice. Also, which is important, the EU, if, if rules should no longer be adequate or if new rules should be needed, the EU provides a forum to create uniform new rules um, for the whole EU. And Brexit, taking back control, means leaving the EU governance regime. Um, and governance regime that will apply will be much less sophisticated. So you know, WTO, for example, has very basic um, governance regime, if you like to call it that, free trade agreements also, but um, nothing compared to what exists within the EU. So none of these rules, WTO or free trade agreements, can be enforced normally directly by private parties. If there's a dispute about whether um, a restriction is justified or not, then it has to be resolved state to state through dispute settlement. And you have to persuade a government to take on your case. And even if it takes on the case, it's unclear quite what result that will achieve or when it will achieve it. Because even if there is binding dispute settlement, and that's not always the case, 
then compliance is generally only for the future. The, the, the part, there's no compensation for having lost trading opportunities in the past. It's simply that a requirement for the problem to be fixed for the future. And as regards to making of new rules, sometimes the WTO and uh, free trade agreements have notification requirements and transparency requirements so that when new rules are being um, are being considered, the other party should be told about it. But these don't really work in practice and um, are, are, are not really enforceable. And um, any any changing these agreements or making new rules requires part of the agreement of all parties and therefore doesn't happen very often. So I take you now to the final slide, to the final set of comments, which is concerns state aid or subsidy control as it's preferred to be called in the UK. And there the issue of governance, I think, has really come to the fore. So to maintain the level playing field between the EU and the UK, you may um, know that the, you need both common rules, but also you need the rules to be applied and enforced. Agreeing what the common rules are at some level is all is always possible. Yes, you can you can go to greater or, or lesser um, lesser detail. Simply say there should be no unjustified restrictions, or any restriction must be justified on the grounds of health and must be proportionate. This, these are things anybody can agree, but what they can't agree is who's going to decide whether that is the case or not, and what the remedy should be if it's not. So in the case of state aid, for example, the EU proposal was that the UK should continue to follow the same rules that the EU supplies, and that should also keep aligned with those rules as they develop in the future. And also some, they try to um, a, a propose that there should be some uh, rights of intervention of the European Commission uh, to make sure that the independent regulator in the UK actually applied the rules correctly. And then in the case of dispute, there was even provision for provisional penalties to be imposed um, where the EU considers that the UK hasn't followed the rules. So we don't actually have to wait until the dispute settlement arbitration has, has resolved the matter. This, of course, can only work one way. Yeah? Um, and um, so the EU was never going to consider that the UK should have the right to veto, for example, changes in EU um, state aid rules. And um, so it's difficult to imagine quite what the final solution is going to be. One thing we do like to point out is that the Commission has proposed that uh, it should have new powers to take um, action within the EU against uh, to, to ensure level playing field in regard of uh, foreign subsidies. Um, this is a new proposal. It's only that at the moment. Um, unclear whether it ever become law, but it is being discussed. And of course, it's often discussed in relation to China. Um, that we need to do something to prevent uh, distortions arising out of um, subsidies given to those foreign in those foreign 
territories, but it could also just as well apply to the UK. And um, you'll find on our website some discussion of these new proposals. And um, as I said, it is at the moment only a proposal, but it does show that the problem of distortions arising out of subsidies granted outside of the EU is something the EU is concerned about and is taking action on. Fine, um, that's all. You will. Um, that's all the slides that we have. We, we the, on our website you'll find many more resources which you can, on which you, where you can follow up on many of these issues. Thank you for listening.